Welcome. Welcome to the Dealing with Resentment, the number one offender, step 10 workshop meeting. My name is Eileen. I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. This session is being taped. Um, All participants are required to sign the release form. In this case, it's just the panelists. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of the session. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. This is a workshop panel of three. Um, The format for the session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions and answers. An Ask a Basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box for our panelist. The topic for this session is Dealing with Resentment, the Number One Offender, Step 10. Our first speaker will be Poonam. Our second speaker is Elaine. And our third speaker is Pam W. Thank you. Hi, my name is Poonam. I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs> so just to qualify, I came into the program. Just to qualify, I came into the program about 11 years ago. When I came into the program, I was about 240 pounds. So I've had a loss of 95, 96, depending on the day. I was bursting out of size 22, 24. I felt I had nothing in common with thin women. I didn't even understand how they could exist. I had tried all the commercial diets without any success. I would lose weight, then I would gain it back, right back and more. I felt completely desperate. I felt hopeless. Every time I went to see the doctor, my doctor said, you need to lose weight. Such an easy thing to do, but the hardest, such an easy thing to say for the doctor, but the hardest thing. I was completely baffled as how to do that. And I had three kids, age three, so I was afraid that I was going to die an early death because I had high blood pressure. My doctor wanted me to be on Lipitor. I had raging diabetes when I was pregnant with my triplets. And I was borderline diabetic when I came into the program. I thought I was not going to see my babies grow into teenagers. But one day, a miracle happened. I opened the Chronicle, and the front page of the Chronicle had an article on OA. It described OA as the last house on the block, 
I've never since seen an article in the Chronicle. And the last house on the block, that's what I needed. Because by then, I had started looking at bariatric surgery. I had started researching it on my own. I figured that I was big-boned, and so all I needed to lose was, you know, I needed to lose about 85 pounds, and I'd heard that my insurance would pay for it if I had about 100 pounds to lose. I couldn't figure out how to lose even 5 pounds, but I knew how to put on 15. That was going to be easy. So when I saw this article, I decided that I was going to go check out the meeting because the last house on the block was my only hope other than surgery. I went to my first meeting. It was a tiny meeting. I was shaking. I felt so emotional. I walked into the room, sat down, and I started hearing things. People talk about things that only I knew of. This is the stuff I had struggled with my entire life. For the very first time, I was home. Instantly, I was home. It was such a powerful feeling. And I decided to do whatever these people were doing. I soon got a sponsor. I started working the program. I was on a pink cloud, lost 35 pounds. I heard somebody talk about abstinence from sugar. That was my cocaine. A day came very early in the program when it was noon and I hadn't had any sugar. Somehow I held on through the day. Greatest miracle, went to bed without sugar. That had never, ever happened. So the next day I was not going to jinx it because I felt I was never going to see such a day again. And then the third day and fourth, and I've been sugar-free ever since. So that was that, but I can do a lot of damage with all the other foods. (laughs) And so I started putting the weight back on. I started slipping and sliding. Kept coming back because there was nowhere else for me to go. I had tried all the Craigs and Watchers and Atkinsons and, you know, you name it, banana, cabbage, I'd done it all, all the diets, all the programs. Kept coming back, and then one day I was describing myself as the tanker that can't change directions in the ocean because I'd seen other people come into the program, get something, and get transformed in front of my eyes. But I was not such a person. So one of the people in the program came to me at the end of the meeting, and she said, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. The way you're describing is a very painful way to be. Why don't you write for five minutes and see what are you truly afraid of to give yourself to the program? I had no idea I was afraid of anything. I wasn't afraid. But just because I valued her recovery and, and looked up to her recovery so much, I trusted her, I decided to do five minutes of writing. So I started writing, and all sorts of things came out. I was afraid of starving for the rest of my life, because thin people were starving people in my head. I was afraid of having to give up my most favorite foods for the rest of my life. And there were all sorts of other fears, some big, some small. The next time I heard the same people say that she never negotiates with food. Are you kidding me? I come from India. We negotiate for everything. (laughs) Everything. You know, traffic tickets to husbands, we negotiate. (laughs) And the next time I heard her say that she practices a daily 10-step in a certain way. And when she does her 10-step, food becomes low-grade static for her, and she feels the presence of her higher power palpably around her. 
so she can touch out her higher power, reach out and touch it. I wanted that. I wanted that. Because food was roaring in my ears. It was seductive. It was bullying. It had me by the neck. I wanted my food to be low-grade static. So after the meeting, I asked her what she was doing. So she described her process to me. She said every single day, she writes a 10th step by writing step three prayer word for word. So I started writing, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. Then I started underlining it till I felt the prayer move through me. I would circle bondage of self because my bondage of self was my bondage to food and more importantly, it was bondage to fear. I had no idea fear runs through every fabric of my life. Fear is the cluster of resentments for me. Fear affects my self-esteem. Fear affects my pocketbook. Fear is my, affects my um, ambition, my security. I had no idea I was such a fearful person. Fear is behind my angers. So I, so I started the practice of writing out step three prayer. And I then started addressing the fears. I, I started saying, God, I'm afraid, and let the fears pour out. God, I'm afraid, and I can be afraid of anything. I can be afraid of meetings that, that are going to happen during the day. I'm a business person. I'm afraid of sometimes not ordering the right product. I'm afraid of controlling my kids too much or not controlling them enough. I'm afraid of what to cook when somebody's coming over to my house. I'm afraid of giving too much of myself away to my visitors. That's a fear that I just realized recently. I'm afraid of all sorts of things. I write out my fears. I'm afraid that I don't know how to concentrate on my day, and my day runs away from me. I have a very busy life, and I haven't done any of the things that seem to be so pressing, so on and so forth. So I started writing out my fears. And sometimes... I would go a little deeper and say, what, what is behind this fear? And then I would say, God, what should I do? What should I do, God? And then something suggests itself. Sometimes the answers that I get are, I don't have to think about 15 things. I can only think of these three things. Or I need to do it a certain way. Or there's nothing I can do here, I can just surrender. Or I can pray about it, or I can ask for help. I can make amends where I've been selfish or I've hurt somebody. And almost always I hear that I need to stay abstinent because that's the only way I'm going to hear the inner voice as it speaks to me. And if I'm sticky about anything I got a spark. I have to talk to my sponsor. So it says, call my sponsor. So I hear this voice. I write it out. I give it away. And often it leads me to where I am in my life today. It leads me to gratitude. It 
tells me that my life is unfolding just the way it should. It gives me a course of action. An action plan emerges out of it for the day. And I end with step seven prayer. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here. Thank you to do your bidding. Amen. Thank you so much. So I write it out, and I feel filled with strength. I can let go of these things that are biting me from the inside that make me want to take the extra bites. And I've heard for years that it's not about the food. It's about all the other things eating us. And this way I see what is storming on the inside or could be storming on the inside. Things I can be completely unaware of. But I have to do this in writing. If I think about it, I can't somehow get to the same place. When I think about things that are happening mentally, I could see it going in a certain direction, but the moment I sit down to write it, it will take me exactly where it's supposed to go. And that direction can be very different from the way I'm mentally reasoning it out. So I have to do this. I have to do it in writing. And then, most often, I give it away. Well, sometimes I don't these days, but... If it's anything at all pressing, I have to make every attempt to give it away. If my sponsor is not available, I have to call another fellow and give it away. It has allowed me, and once I give it away, somehow I'm freed. I'm freed. I'm in the sunshine of the day. I'm sunshine in the day of my higher power. I have a deeper connection to myself because it's all about making the deepest connection to my inner self and to my higher power. And this way, the program, I feel the program growing in me. I can be more present to do my day. I can be more present and fearless to do the other steps. I remember when I was doing the fourth step, it really helped me to do the daily tenth and give it away. So then giving away a very thorough fourth step wasn't as scary. I did a sexual inventory also as a fourth step. I'd been abused at a very young age, and I put down every sexual thought I've ever had. And that set me free also, but I think that came from the daily 10th because I already had a practice of calling anybody who was available and giving it away. My sponsor, my former sponsor, said she trusted the program. I trust the program, and I've never been let down. So out of this has come and a picture of myself. I've had a much clearer picture over the last three and a half years that I've done this than I ever did before. I, have, I somehow have gotten to see my fears, my anxieties, what it's like for me inside, what my issues are. So when they come up, they're not as big a deal. And just as this person told me, Food became a non-entity almost. It's a low-grade static. That's such an apt description. It's a low-grade static. It's around my ankle somewhere. The bindings are loose. It doesn't rule my day. 
I lost the weight. Once I started doing it, I lost 65 pounds, I think, the very first year or for a year or a few months, something like that. And so that's not the ruling force. I can deal with the other issues that are in my present-day life. It changes me. It changes me from the inside slowly. I remember a few years ago, I used to be a very jealous person. My husband started a nursing program two years ago. He hangs out. Actually, he just graduated. He was hanging out every weekend studying with his classmates. Most of them are women. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. And that came from looking at my fears through this process of doing the daily 10-step. In fact, I was so comfortable that he started feeling that somehow I didn't care enough. <laughs> so that came from that. And it's, it's just been amazing. It's been an amazing process. This person who told me this process of writing the Daily Tenth also said that she believes nothing is happening in somebody's life that they can't take 15 minutes to write, no matter how urgent. I heard her. More urgent something is in my life, more stressful something is in my life, I make it a point to do my daily writing. Sometimes when nothing is happening, sometimes I skip. But if I skip even a day, it's like I didn't brush my teeth. I just feel it. It's like a little film on the inside of me, on the inner mirror. So last summer, I had visitors from India pretty much the whole summer. Many times before I went home, I pulled off by the side of the road. I did my writing. Many times I sit on the toilet and do my writing because I have three kids and a house full of guests, and sometimes I don't have alone time. I sit in my car and call my sponsor because that's my private space sometimes. But I know that I do this. This is how I love myself. This is how I take care of myself. My self-love has grown from this. And I see that I do enough because I always felt I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't enough. From this, the love has grown. I see that I do enough. I am enough. And I am so grateful to the program that something works for me. Something works for me. And it's the daily reprieve that I get from food and from all the other issues. Food actually feels more like a fringe benefit at this point. I have a whole new way of living, and it comes from this. So I have to say that the other principle I need to remember is that it's about honesty. I have to be completely honest between the measuring cup and myself. I have to be completely honest when I do this between the white page and myself and my God. And I have to be completely honest with my sponsor when I give it over. And then I'm free. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Elaine, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Elaine. Ah, I've been in OA since 1978, and um, I was in my 20s, and I'll be 60 this year. I basically grew up in this program. 
Uh, when Nancy asked me to speak today, I was excited to hear that it would be about Step 10. I love Step 10. Uh, I actively work the steps. I'm in a, a step working group, and we do one step a month. And um, we, uh, one of our members generates questions, and we write on the questions and we come together once a month to read what we've written to each other. I also have a reading partner who once a week we read to each other what we've written during the week. Um, both these practices are really important to me for um, actively working the steps and staying connected, staying current with what's going on with me and how I'm dealing with life. I when I came into program I I was young and I was I didn't really realize all the emotional um things that were going on under the overeating. It was once I got abstinent and well actually before I got abstinent I started writing my first fourth step inventory and um I as I wrote I was writing about resentment. I was using the the guide in the AA Big Book. At that time, we didn't have as much OA literature. So it was based on the AA guidelines. And um, the first thing that the AA book talks about, writing about, is resentment. And I started writing about resentment toward my mother. And I as I was writing about resentment toward my mother, I felt so resentful. I can kind of relive it in my stomach right now, a tension in my stomach and just a lot of anger. And um, at the time, I wasn't particularly skillful with all the tools that we have, um, but I just kind of instinctively knew I couldn't... Um, sit on on what I had been writing for for weeks it took me it took me a year to really finish my first four step and i and I knew I just couldn't keep that to myself. I had to share it because I was just so um I just had so much emotion about it and um for whatever reason, I chose to start reading it to a friend in program not not my sponsor i don't even remember if I had a sponsor at the time I was just kind of flailing around trying to feel better and do better in life and with my food. And um, it was very affirming for me to hear her say, after, she, after I read what I had written about my resentment toward my mother, wow, you're really in it. Um, I, I hadn't come from a background of, of doing a lot of, or any therapy, and I wasn't, it wasn't a practice for me to tell people how I was doing or what I was feeling. So coming into program and starting that that practice of um, writing and sharing with another person was a new thing for me, and it was it was affirming. But my point in this is that I had a lot of anger toward my mother. I no longer have that anger toward my mother. And I won't say that that, that was the... That was just the beginning of it, and I am a work in progress, very much of a work in progress. I've done lots of different um, things in terms of working with resentment. Um, to me, when 
when, uh, when Nancy told me what I want you to, to talk about is uh, resentment, the number one offender, what you did, how, I, how you did it, how the 12 steps have worked in my life. Um, what uh, working with resentment is about is really about how do you forgive. And um, as I realized that I had so much anger and resentment toward my mother and was able to work with that, um, I guess that set me up to um, start working on my my, uh, lack of forgiveness for other people as well. Um, As I said, when I came into OA, it was in my 20s, I um, was a late bloomer and didn't really start dating until I was in my 20s. And so I was starting to have more intimate relationships. And to me, um, intimate relationships are the number one um, opportunity to practice forgiveness. And um, so one of my first serious relationships was when I was 28. I was in OA, and I realized I thought I was in love, but I actually hated this guy sometimes. (laughs) And it was just tearing me up. And I realized... I need to learn how to forgive. How do you forgive? And um, so I guess I was 28 at that time, and that's that. The, answering that question has been my life work, my spiritual work, my program work since then. And again, I have not arrived. I'm a work in progress. It will be a lifelong prog- process for me. Um, I'll share a few tools that have um, furthered me on my spiritual path. Um, one of the most important tools that that I have used for years um, is, it's called various things. I think of it as a God letter. And um, I'll just hit some high points of that. But um, it's a it's a daily writing practice with a piece of paper and something to write with or your computer, start the letter, Dear God, or Dear whatever you call your higher power, and then uh, start the sentence, I have fear that, and then finish that sentence. And um, just keep writing that beginning of that sentence over and over again, um, I have fear that I'm not going to be a good speaker today. I have fear that people will be disappointed. I have fear that people are going to think what I eat at the OA convention is weird. I have, you know, just (laughs) whatever my fears are. And if I'm aware of resentment, uh, the other sentence is, I am resentful at la, 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 la. Um, start that sentence and um, over and over again until you can't think of anything else or you run out of time. And often um, the sentence, I have resentment, that, that is followed by because I have fear that. I have heard that what underlies resentment, what always underlies resentment is fear. There's always a fear underlying a resentment. And then when you feel like you 
actually, I want to back up a little bit. Starting the letter, dear higher power, or whatever you call your higher power, um, for me, that was a way of um, not being alone in the process. My daily 10-step writing is my time with my higher power in a very focused way. I spend time with my higher power other times during the day, such as in meditation or prayers throughout the day. But it's um, it's a regular focused time for me to be with my higher power. It's kind of a cozy feeling. It's right before I go to bed. I'm sitting and writing. And um, so back to the letter. At the end of the letter, there are some prayers, um, part of which is, I pray only for knowledge of your will for us and the power to carry that out. Another part of the the prayers is... Um, I am now entirely willing, completely ready, and humbly ask you to remove all of these fears and resentments. Um, So it's a pretty complete process. It's not a magic bullet. And I have gone on to other forms of writing, um, but but I wanted to share that one with you because it's always a basis, a basic form that I can go back to. Um, these days, my daily 10-step writing, and the reason I do my 10-step my writing, by the way, is because I sleep, well, one of the, one of the benefits of doing a 10-step is that I sleep better. I tend to fall asleep quickly and, and sleep soundly, uh, just to give you a little, um, inspiration to, to want to do it. Um, uh, so... What was I starting to say? Okay, so what I'm doing these days, which um, being in program since 1978, I mean, life is got it's not a static thing. Nothing is static. I've been at times very. Uh, I've I've followed all different kinds of food plans. I've I've had lots of different sponsors. I've followed different um, uh, ways of doing the ten step, and um, I'm really into. Uh, allowing my emotions and honoring them. And um, so I like to do my my God letter just saying, I feel la, 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 whatever it is. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's not resentment. I like to kind of get into the nuances of I feel a little bit unsettled because I haven't... Uh, finish the project at work or just whatever the, the, the nuances of the emotion are. And I just write out various emotions that I experience during the day. And um, what naturally comes at the end of this letter is some one-line prayer. May I, may I feel your love at the same time. May I, may I be may I be free of the bondage of self, whatever seems to kind of fit the overall um, theme that I seem to have experienced for the day. And um, it's actually quite uh, an experience of self-esteem to come up with my own prayers, my own individual prayers. It's, it's, a, it's a, a feeling that, um, that God is working in my mind. Uh, what else did I want to tell you? I have lots more time. Um, 
overall, things don't piss me off as much as they used to. Um, and, and I think that's really the, the thing about resentment is um, there are lots, there will always be lots of, of terrible things happening in life. And yes, there are also lots of good things happening, and I like to focus on those. Um, but um, it's the nature of, of our existence here that things um, basically don't go my way. I think things should be different than they are. But um, because of the, all the step work I've done, not just the 10th step, but because of, of um, no longer hurting myself with excess food, um, doing uh, a very searching, a number of very searching and fearless moral inventories, reading them to people, um, getting hooked up with a, a really um, complete spiritual path that focuses very much on forgiveness, um, doing uh, with with excellent sponsorship, doing very uh, complete uh, eighth and ninth steps, getting very clear on my part in uh, my difficult relationships, making scary amends. Um, when I say scary, I mean... When I first came into program, the step that scared me the most and continues to this day to be the scariest step is step nine, is to actually go to someone and say, I did this thing. Um, to continue uh, to have started and to maintain a meditation practice, to do service, all those things have helped me um, be more able to wear life like a loose garment, as it says in the old, old 24-hour-a-day book from Hazleton. Um, things don't piss me off as much. I will say, though, that I am not in an intimate relationship right now. And I know that, for me, my leading edge, my my path to freedom and spiritual growth is in intimate relationships. And I just, I, I, I'm doing the best I can. Um, so, so to be a little more specific about that, when I am in an intimate relationship, I uh, traditionally have spent much more time being pissed off than when I'm not. I'm much more even keeled when I'm not in a relationship. What does that mean? It means I still have more work to do. I have more work to do. <laughs> and um, and I want to be in a relationship. So um, I, I, I'm motivated to, to continue the work because I don't, I can't, I... I cannot be in a relationship and be pissed off all the time and... and um, it's just, it's not, it doesn't work for me. So I need to, I need to change. One of the first things I remembered learning in OA was that whenever anything pisses me off about someone else, when, whenever there's something I can't forgive in someone else, whenever I'm pointing the finger at someone else, there are one, two, three, three fingers pointing back at me. And um, it's kind of a cute way of, of saying something, but what it really means is, I mean, if you want the nuts and bolts of it, 
you write down everything that you don't like about someone else or everything, every resentment you have about someone else, and then you put your name at the beginning of the sentence. And it may not be, and that's, that's, that's a good, that's another 10-step exercise. And it may not be in the form, like maybe you didn't rape someone or maybe you didn't do the same thing that they did in the form that they did it, but it's the meaning of what they did that um, we, that I believe we all have the capacity for um, horrendous acts, if not in 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 form in meaning. And um, it's the uh, the lack of uh, acceptance of that in myself that forces me to project it out onto other people. I don't want to get any more into the headiness of that, but um, I just trust that, that that is the case. And, um, and, and as, as I keep working on forgiveness of others, I'm three minutes, great, <laughs> thank you. I'm working on forgiveness of myself. What do I want to finish up with in the last three minutes? Acceptance of, of myself is um, are really, I mean, the pain that I experience in life and that I, that I write about in my 10th step has to do with not accepting myself. And so by this current um, form of 10 step where I'm writing about my emotions, it's a way of saying, um, it's okay, Elaine. Instead of pushing away my emotions, I'm embracing them. And um, and and I I trust that this is going to be this will lead to my next tenth step uh, f- format. Uh, um, another thing that is very helpful for me to do is to focus on on what I'm grateful for. If I'm really tired at the end of the day and I don't feel like delving into negative emotions or um, uh, faulty beliefs, I'll just write about times during the day that I felt good. And I, w- I want to emphasize that um, it's helpful for me not to say that I should feel grateful, but just to notice when I actually did feel happy or glad and um, so that I'm not, pu- once again, pushing myself, thinking I should be better than I am, but just noticing a lot of what... Um, self-acceptance for, for myself has to do with is just noticing what is going on with me, how I'm feeling, how I'm behaving. And rather than um, shaming myself or making a big deal about it, just kind of having an attitude of, oh, there goes the disease again. There, no, there I am. Thank you. I see that my time is almost up, so I want to thank you very much for being here and letting me share. Thank you.
whatever you want to do. My name is Pamela, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, and maybe you a favor. I'd like to start the first couple minutes of this in what I call the 11th step sandwich. We're going to say the serenity prayer. We're going to meditate. And I am going to open myself so my HP comes through me. And you're going to open yourself so your HP can help you hear the message. So if you join me in the serenity prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so I have 19 years of abstinence. I was your professional yo-yo. When I did my first first step, it said in that workbook to write about your eating history So my eating history had nothing to do with my life or emotions. It was all about whatever diet I did. And I'm a computer analyst, so I wrote down the date, the weight I weighed before, the weight I weighed after the diet, and how much weight I lost. And do you know, for the first 50 years of my life, I gained and lost 685 pounds, never weighing more than 220, never weighing less than 120. Oh, I was good. I could do every part of this disease there was. I could restrict, I could purge, I could binge. I was on it all. (laughs) But then, I have to say, if you put it out in front of me, Godiva, Chardonnay, Marijuana, cocaine, uppers, downers, Brad Pitt, Neiman Marcus credit card. Okay, what a choice. (laughs) And I have abused them all. In fact, I have to admit that when I first came in the program, I considered wine a fruit. (laughs) So one day at a time, I've worked on it. How did I start out? 
Well, I came and the first thing I heard was, oh, that people had better relationships with their parents. And I said, I really need that. My mother is a dog. And so, but then I heard people say, you know, when I first came to the program, I came late and I sat in the back of the room and then I left right away. And I said, I'm a tough cookie. I am putting up with that. I'm coming early and I'm leaving late. And I said, what the hell am I going to do? Because I don't want to talk to anybody. You'll all see how ugly and diseased that I am inside. So I found this trick. It was called the trick of service. So I would arrive early, and instead of saying to somebody, how are you, I would say, do we put three or four rows of chairs over here? And uh, and after the meeting, I'd say, well, now do I collect the trash into one par- part, and where do I put it? So I interacted with people all the time. Nobody knew who I was, but I interacted with people all the time. And that was my beginning of recovery. I even did this at my church. I got religion through this. This, I mean, I had to find. I need. I didn't believe in God. I needed something. I chose my last two choices for what religion were the ones that had free food, but one of them had fried chicken and donuts, and the other one had vegetables, lentils, and rice. So what could I do? My food plan said I had to join the second one, so I did. And then it turned out they had free food, and I found out I'd gotten myself in a terrible place. I would go to worship. The whole time, my mind is, what are they going to have for lunch afterwards? Then I would rush, and i get in the first row, so I'd get my food first, and then I would inhale it. And I said, this is not a very loving, graceful activity. It looks like I'm practicing my disease. So I noticed some of the people were serving. And so I said, can I be one of the servers? And they said, sure. And I'd go around and I'd say, how how are you? Would you like a little more of this? Everybody thought I was really nice. You know what my mind was saying? If they run out of this stuff before I'm done, I am going to take somebody's head off. They're better not. I mean, they're asking for seconds. How dare they? But I just kept smiling. And the first miracle happened. I had done my steps and... I owed a really lot of financial amends. I mean, when I wrote to the Waldorf Astoria, I really wanted to say, if you gave me two more knives, I'd have a complete service for eight. But I didn't. I wrote them the truth. And a couple of people wrote back the truth and said, you know, this would cost a couple grand. But just give it to charity. So anyway, I thought I was off the hook, but I wasn't. I was giving to charity. I got a letter in the mail. And it said, thank you so much. The mission is so happy to dedicate a table to your mother on Mother's Day. Her name will be prominently displayed. I said, who the hell did that? I didn't even remember doing it. This is from the first four years of doing service, doing the steps, having a sponsor, and getting into service above the meeting level. Now, this is the best way to get rid of resentments in the whole world. Because let me tell you, working with two other people that are in this group can make 
anybody crazy. It is extremely intense. We all have kind of like control issues and stuff. <laughs> so we have to try to work together. So I practice what I call the tenth tool, and that's called keep your mouth shut. <laughs> the best way not to get a resentment is not to open my mouth. So that's my first clue on how to deal with resentments. It's not to get one. You can always say it later. You don't have to say it now. And that has really, really, really saved my life. So um, then time went on. I got out of the food. Oh, so my 10th step. What is my 10th step like? I weigh and measure my food and I write it down. And I add it up every night. Well, I don't. I have a computer program that's an outside issue that does it. And that's what works. And it just is so wonderful. You know, when I have a day where I have eaten too much, I want to kill myself. I'm just a slob. I'm a terrible person. See, I'm going to, I just might as well give it all up. But I write it into the program and I say, done for today. And it says on that day when I just really pigged out at the Mexican restaurant, oh my God. And you know, everything's online, by the way. You can just put in Baja Fresh, da 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 da, and it'll come up with the calories and the, and the protein and the sodium, everything. And I'd put that down and it would say to me, you're not going to weigh 300 pounds tomorrow. If you eat like this every day for the next five weeks, you'll gain two pounds. I say, thank God. Thank God. I came to this program and people said they weighed and measure. I said, I'd rather be fat. I've changed my tune. I weigh, I measure. Then I know what's going on. I can live my life. The biggest part of my 10th step is being honest about my food. Yesterday, I thought I had starved, but I got to the room and I ate a little more of the food that I brought with me than I had planned. But it's okay. If I eat like I ate yesterday, every day for the next five weeks, I'll gain 1.8 pounds. I can live with that. I can live with that. Then... So that's my food. And I came to this program and I heard someone say, I'm going home for Thanksgiving. I'm carrying my food. I'm bringing my food with me. I said, I would rather be fat than schlep my food. This is really so compulsive. It's worse than compulsive everything. I came here. I had my tofurkey sausages frozen. I had to show them because, you know, tofurkey sausages frozen show up on the scanner like an explosive. So I was asked by TSA, would I please take them out so they could see the package and the labeling and that I wasn't carrying explosives. So, But I do it, and I don't care what the people behind me in line see. You know, it's my food. And I'm in this body, and I couldn't be happier. I'm in this space. I'm in this mind. I am in this spirit. And I couldn't be happier. So I got from HP the greatest gift, and that is... I signed up for something at World Service, and they said, would you speak on this? 
And I said to my sponsor, oh, they picked the thing of gratitude. And then they gave me direction. They said, well, a good thing to do would be write down a li- a 10 things that you're grateful for and read them to the group and then have them write down 10 and come and share. I said, holy crap, I don't really want to do that. And my beloved sponsor said, you mean you don't do that every day? No, I didn't do it every day, but I do now. And this is the secret to defending resentments. I finish my day and I go to write the stuff down. My sponsor said to me, you know, how come your life seems so mellow and so happy? You don't, you have all this gratitude. And I said, well, I'll tell you, you know those 10 things I sent you? A couple times I say, you know, I have enough, I am enough, I do enough. That's what comes out. But mostly it's like, okay, the gardener informed me that he is not going to be able to put, you know that stuff. That's, uh, the people from the water filter said, your, ex- your thing has expired. You know, all it, life, you know how life is. And, but by the end of the day, I have to write 10 things I'm grateful for. And I say, oh, well, you know, if the gardener can't do that for two weeks, that's really great because now I can do this and that and the other thing. If customer service didn't do what I expected them to, oops, there is that word, expectation, a down payment on a resentment. So they didn't do what I expected. So let's work with what we've got here. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I found out. I was just trying to turn my phone on, but I wasn't quite with it. Okay. Because I have had some things I have been so grateful for. I cannot believe you. Believe how they have turned day to night. But I'm 71, so it's damn lucky I remembered to come here and I remembered to speak. Okay, so anyway, uh, so maybe that last resentment will come to me. I mean, it was like, it was like I see God's grace. In 10 incidents that happen in my life every day, because I write down 10 gratitudes. And again, eight of them may be things that I had seen as challenges. I might have even seen as resentments. But I didn't want to tell my sponsor that. Then she'd tell me, well, you really got to do, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You got to come clean on it. So I always say, HP, help me out here. Help me out here. And everything seems to turn out okay. I mean, I do service. If anybody is interested... I have five minutes left. If anybody's interested, just get one of these from me. This is about the L.A. birthday party, and you can be involved, you can attend, you can be an ambassador, you could do whatever you want. I took this commitment on, I'm 71. I can barely remember my name. I can barely remember to write my food down. That's really, you know, all really I can do at this age, and I'm running this convention. But people like you, and HP put us together so we can grow and we can find a peace and happiness and a serenity we thought we could never have.
One of the things I do is not start over. I've got almost 20 years of abstinence. I'm 71. I came in here at 50. And at 50, I couldn't start anything over. I had gained and lost 685 pounds. I had started and stopped a lot of times. And I can't do that again. And I have this wonderful sponsee. And so I remember she called me one day and she said, I'm here at the beach and I looked and I have a drumstick in one hand and a popsicle in the other. What should I do? And I said, well, this probably isn't the wisest food choice, but have you had three of them already? No. Are you plan on having any more? No. Do you think that this deserves a gallon of Ben and Jerry's? No. Well, you know, I bet you there's one or two actual normal people on the planet that are out there with a popsicle in one hand and a drumstick in the other. Don't beat yourself up. That's my job. (laughs) I'm not beating you up for this. Just move on. Eat them. Throw them away. Get back on the horse and be abstinent. Now, if you told me that you had eaten five gallons of Ben and Jerry's for three days, I'd have to reconsider that. But if we talk on a regular basis, like I write down my food on a regular basis, like I do my 10th step on a regular basis, you can have a mind, a body, and a spirit that uplifts you every day, that allows you to reach out to every person, no matter who they are, no matter what they are, and open your hand and open your heart and say, I'm here to help. And every time I help you, my mind, my spirit, my heart is opened. And I find a happiness and a bliss that I've never known before. You might not have guessed it, but I used to be a really pushy broad And I probably still have a little of that characteristic left. But I work with it. I work with it. I take on those jobs that take a lot of work. And people to me say, people in and out of the program, they say, why are you doing this? And I say, look at me. You like it? I do. I don't know the total secret to it all. So I'm just keeping on doing everything I do. I keep doing my steps. I keep having a sponsor, having sponsees. I keep doing a 10th step. I keep writing down my food. I keep having a gratitude list. And I keep working like heck so I can carry the message to everyone that's out there. And i just like to remind you all that you too are the message. So if you try every day when you wake up to do what you can to carry that message, you'll bring yourself a new freedom and a new happiness you had never anticipated. Thank you for letting me share. script was up here. I had, I had Thank you.
That's all right. Okay. I will now draw questions from the Ask It basket for our panelists. And it looks like this can be answered by anyone. Um, How do you resolve resentments towards your spouse when past behaviors are not forgiven? Who would like to try this? I don't get it. How can past behaviors not be forgiven? Oh, you mean he didn't forgive you. Pray, 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 pray. Believe it or not, as wonderful as you think I am, there are people that think I'm kind of a jerk. There are people that don't like me. I showed up, I show up every Christmas, every holiday season, I show up with cookies, I don't eat sugar or flour, but on all my neighbor's door, and you know a couple of them have said they don't like me, and they don't want the cookies anymore. One of them cost me $20,000, I won't even go into it, uh, and uh, was very hard on one of my children. I'd like to really tell you in detail the crap they did. But you know, I got to pray for them. There, by the grace of God, go I. I am grateful. I don't have to carry a resentment. And that's what you have to keep focusing on. They're sick just like us. Thank you. I've been finding it helpful to um, ask myself, whose business is it? And if I'm in someone else's business, like whether or not they're forgiving me, um, if I'm pissed off at someone because they're not forgiving me, I'm in their business and I have no control over their business. It is their pain. And if I'm resenting them for um, that, that's my business and I need to look at why I'm resenting them for not forgiving me. All right. We have um, a couple of questions related to work, so I think I'll bundle these two together. Um, how do you deal with rude people? I can stay away from them, but it is work-related. How do I stop resenting them every time I have to interact with them? And then what did you do when you have resentment at a coworker? So two questions dealing with resentments at work. When I have resentment against a coworker, a customer, an employee, I always have to look at why is that pushing me? What about that is pushing me? Because something about that is squeezing me, making me unhappy. It has to do with my fears. So once again, I have to write about it and see what's the root of it. 
And usually once I see its faces, maybe the rudeness injures my self-esteem, my pride, my pocketbook in some way. It has financial effect of some kind. Once I see its faces, and if I see in what way or where I may have wronged them, once I see my part in it completely, I can let go of it in some form. I can let go. I can pray for it. I will know if I need to make amends, and, and I'm set free. I'm set free from those fears. I have to accept myself the way it shows up after the writing. Thank you. Um, here's a question first from somebody um, who has not yet done a four-step, and they want to know how or where do you uh, and where do you suggest I start if I've never done a four-step? This person currently does not have a sponsor, so I guess one of the ways of um, perhaps also thinking about this might be. You know, do you do 10th steps even before you formally have gone through 1 through 12? I certainly want to answer this. Thank God this person never said to me that you have to do steps 1 through 9 before you can do the daily 10th step because that would have been the death of me. I may never have returned to the program. The way I was going at that rate, with all the yo-yoing I was doing and playing with food in all other ways other than sugar, just meant that I was a step away from sugar. So for me, what worked is I was constantly on step one, two, and three, and back to one again, and then you know three, and then back, and half-hearted attempt at four, and back at one again. Thank God I started doing daily 10th step just the way this person showed me. And then on the side, I started doing steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that work could continue once I could clean myself away from food. And that only happened by doing the daily 10th. Question for Elaine. Can you repeat the prayer line beginning with, I am not entirely ready, dot, dot, dot? <laughs> Actually, it was, I am now entirely ready, completely willing, and humbly ask you to remove all these resentments and fears. It's not in the literature. It was developed. I am now entirely ready, completely willing, and humbly ask you to remove all of these resentments and fears. And then I pray only for knowledge of your will for us and the power to carry it out. Okay, and this is a question for Poonam. 
For step 10, what kind of questions do you use? Or do you just write about your resentments in general? I don't have a specific list of questions. I usually write, not usually, I always write step three prayer and underline it. That puts me in a certain frame of mind. And then I just begin by diving into my fears. And if there's some motivation inside of myself that I don't understand, then I ask the question, why am I doing this, God? Or what about this is pushing me? Things like that. The questions come from writing. But usually I begin by writing, God, I'm afraid. Or God, I'm resentful. God, I'm angry. And all the resentments for me stem from fear. All my anger also is with fear underlying. I'm not getting something, so I'm angry. So I just jump into it. Alrighty. Um, this is another question about how to deal with spouse. Um, I get resentful at my husband because I want him to change, even though I know I need to accept him as he is. Any experience, strength, and hope? I, I, I would suggest that perhaps that's not only related to husbands for many of us. <laughs> I love that question. It's like the the basic question is um, when I think something, when the underlying question is or or attitude is it shouldn't be this way. That's my belief. It shouldn't be this way. This person shouldn't be this way. I just can't stand that this person is this way. I can't stand life on life's terms. Does that sound familiar? And um, and then. Um, for me to ask myself, um, is, is that really true? And why? And know that, that my freedom lies in accepting life on life's terms, accepting my significant other on life's terms. I desperately wanted my husband to change. That was the whole crux of it. He was causing me such misery. I wanted him to change. I wanted him to acknowledge me. I wanted him to love me. I wanted him to pay me attention. I was minutely jealous when it wasn't working out my way. But once I started working the program and this particular method by doing the daily 10th, and I started looking at my issues in the deepest way and connecting with myself in a much deeper way, I was able to let go of all sorts of things. And as my inner universe opened up and expanded, I realize now that I'm so much more absorbed and content in my own inner process, that 
things that used to make me mad, the time I, I used to take to focus on him and trying to control him, that's gone. And I get, I get the kudos that I wanted from him without even aiming for that now. Because I'm not aiming for it. I am so content most of the time. I have a method that works for me. And, and his thing is his thing. But we are a lot closer than we have ever been. And things are just working out so much better than they ever did. And we've been married almost, we've been married 27 years. Um, this uh, was a question that, uh, again, was directed specifically to one of the speakers, but I think it probably could be answered by uh, any of them. Uh, did, you identif- did you identify much resentment in your step tens? How do you handle what was uncovered? I was resentment central. (laughs) I had three notebooks filled in minute handwriting of resentments. And I took a long time to do my step four. I think I took like two years. And minutely I wrote out, I began with all people in my life, in my immediate family, acquaintances, people who caused me harm, Growing up, um, I wrote them all out, but I did it the big book way where I wrote what it affected me, if it affected my self-esteem, my ambition, my pocketbook, etc. So I wrote these resentments out in detail. I had, I had so many resentments. But once I gave them away, I find, and also seeing them, if they spearheaded on a daily basis, then I wrote about them in the 10th step as well. But I find that they are not biting me the same way. And sometimes they come up again. And of course, when they come up, I need to deal with them in my writing. I'm on step nine. And I'm hoping that a lot of them are going to get pulled by the root once I go through this step. My sponsor tells me that's the biggest instrument of change. So it's scary, but I want to do it. I also want to hold up steps eight and nine as really powerful steps for um, getting rid of the root of resentment because in step eight, um, I'm looking at a difficult relationship, but I'm looking at my part in it. Um, Not that my part caused the other person's behavior, but I have a part that contributes to the difficulty in the relationship, to look at that. And then also as part of preparing to make amends to list the ways that the other person has been a blessing in my life. And I, I especially experienced that in um, working with my resentments toward my mother is that I did have uh, my part in our difficult in our difficulties, and I also realized that I had a lot of gratitude for her, and to 
express all that to her um, freed me to a very large degree. Okay, it's okay. You know, like I said, I don't focus on the negative. I focus on the positive. I know my biggest resentment was my mother. I used to do a stand-up comic act making fun of my mother throughout my youth and my teenage and my early early 20s and 30s. I just thought she was she was so awful that she deserved ha- being made fun of. I just work the program. The main thing I do is contrary action. None of the things I talked about what I do are things I want to do. I don't want to write this 10th step down. I want, don't want to write my food down. I really don't want to do this birthday party in 2015. This is just pushing me over the edge. Every day I get up and I resent the heck out of the people that are asking me all these questions. Why do you want this from me? I can't do it. It's too much. And you know, I let it go. I say, if that's what they want, I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of it. It's not my business. It's their business and God's business. And just focus on myself and realize the more that I let go of everybody else's business And the more I let go of my expectations, say, okay, whatever I get is going to be perfect. And you know, this is not the way I thought my life was going to end. I thought I was going to like retire with several million dollars on a yacht cruising the world. Okay, well, I had some money and I had a yacht, but I don't anymore. And I'm really happier than I've ever been. So I think one of the things we have to do is reevaluate those expectations that led us to a resentment and say, do I really need that? Does that person, is that really what's going to make me happy? Other people doing what I want them to do, the bottom line is that is not what makes me happy. Do I still have that uncontrollable need to expect and wish people would do exactly what I say? Upon occasion. But one day at a time, one act of kindness at a time gets me past it. Thank you. Okay, again, to our first speaker. Thank you for sharing your process. Uh, Question one, what time of day do you do your 10th step? Um, And um, I can't read the handwriting a little bit, but then there's another question. Do you give it away the next day? And question two, can you do all you described in 15 minutes? I don't have a set time. I try to do it first thing in the morning. And I would say that happens only maybe 
30% of the time. Because I have a meditation routine in the morning, I have a yoga routine in the morning, I try to make those a priority as well. So, But I try to do it as and when I can get it. It also depends what's happening in my day. But what works for me is that I do it before 6 p.m. because my sponsor's cutoff time is 6 p.m. and I don't even make that because I want to make sure when I call her I've already done it. And a lot of the times that doesn't work, so then I have to... So essentially I have to do it whenever I can. But I definitely try to do it before I go home, before the end of the day, before I go home, or if I'm home, before my day ends, before I have dinner. So... um, 15 minutes is the target time. If I'm really squeezed for time, 15 minutes will show me, even five minutes will show me what my predominant fears are and what can, what can run amok in my day. But if I have more time, then I can easily spend 30 minutes, 35 minutes on it. Would any of the other speakers like to talk about the time, the process, whether or not you give it away? People already feel like over that. Okay, great. Alrighty. Thank you. So, it is now time to close the session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for the session. Thank you, speakers. Great job. Okay, we're going to now stand. Please stand and join hands as we close uh, with, I think, let's do the OA promise this time around.